I mean, these people are smart. So yeah. many of my friends would say, oh, they're crazy. Oh, they're a psychopath or all, all this stuff. I'm like, no, they are cool, calm, and calculated. They know exactly what they are doing. Hmm. They aren't psycho or crazy. They have yeah. a disordered personality. Yeah. But they know exactly what they are doing. Patience, self-control. You sit there and you have the self-control and the patience and you let them explode. Let everything backfire on them. You can only control your responses and you. In a world where hearts entwine and souls dance together, relationships weave the fabric of our lives. But what happens when the threads begin to fray and the rhythm of love begins to become discord? Join us on a journey today through the labyrinth of emotions as we explore the delicate art of recognizing and breaking free from unhealthy relationship patterns and how to prepare for a custody battle with a narcissist. Meet Alex and Stephanie, two souls ent entangled in the intricate web of love. Their story, like many others, began with laughter and dreams. But as time unfolded its chapters, they found themselves caught in a pattern that threatened to overshadow their happiness. Little do they know, a group of researchers had been delving into the depths of the relationships, studying the whispers of the heart and echoes of the mind. Their findings? A revelation that shook the foundations of conventional wisdom. The idea that taking full responsibility for a relationship's success could be a silent harbinger of its demise. As we embark on this journey, unravel the layers of self-discovery and introspection. Can recognizing the signs of an unhealthy relationship be the key to unlocking the shackles that bind our hearts? Will Alex and Stephanie find the strength to break free from the chains of their own making? Open your hearts to the lessons that lie ahead as we delve into the complexities of love, vulnerability, heartbreak, and divorce. Because sometimes the first step towards healing is acknowledging that the echoes of our past may be shaping the present. Join us in this exploration of the human heart with our guest today, Stephanie Ann. She is an extraordinary woman, and in speaking to her, this is 100% true. She is an attorney and a recipient of the Governor's Award for Advocacy with survivors of domestic violence who triumphed over narcissistic abuse. Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, spiritual healing from trauma and abuse for empaths, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, spiritual mentor and author, and I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse and childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. With two marriages, two narcissists behind her, Stephanie Ann harnessed the transformative power of the emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as EFT, 
to guide others on their path to healing and personal growth. Her transformation came when she shifted from why me to for me. Let's dive into her incredible story today. I'm so excited to share it with you and share with you the wisdom she had about how to navigate custody battle with a narcissist. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on your show today, Raven. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure. And I really think this is going to be valuable information. Stephanie is an attorney with experience with two narcissists, and she's going to share with us how to prepare for court. And also we're going to dive into parallel parenting. These are much needed topics. So thank you so much for bringing this to us and keep on doing the good fight and <laughs> sharing this uh, information. Yes. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. So share with us a bit, a bit of your backstory and experience. You were an attorney, right? You were, you're highly educated, you're smart, you're professional. So let's just relate to all of us who are intelligent and smart. We kind of feel like we don't, we're not smart anymore, right? The, the narcissist beats you down so much. You think you're dumb. How did that happen? How did, how did the. So, you know, with, with my first husband, I, when we met, I was actually working at the prosecutor's office and I was a domestic violence advocate. And so, you know, my, my background is in domestic violence, mm. but if you think of like domestic violence, 20, 30 years ago, if you look at the cycle of violence and what domestic violence was, we were also focused on physical violence. Right. There wasn't a lot of emphasis on emotional and psychological abuse. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with that in mind, I did not know I was in an abusive marriage because it didn't really manifest itself until I went to law school. When I went to law school, now all my attention that I used to give and, you know, when we think about what a, a narcissist is, is someone with this grandiose sense of entitlement and self-importance. They uh, have this constant need for adoration, admiration, and just affection and attention. Yeah. Well, that's good and fine when you don't have kids and when you have nothing else really going on in your life and you can devote your entire life to this person. Which, and you usually do when you first start dating because it's yeah, like the infatuation do. stage. Yeah, e exactly. And so when I started law school, all my attention that went to him went to law school. And so it was during law school when he started looking for attention and validation and adoration from other women. So he was a serial cheater. Mm -hmm. And here's something else that how many of us do this? We put cheating over here and we put abuse over here, right? Yeah. How many of us say he's a cheater? She's a cheater. That is psychological and emotional abuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost and like we separate the behavior as just like a bad behavior. Like, yes, like not. And it may be even like in an addiction category, which also seems to be separate in our mind. From abuse but that's all it's all the exactly all yeah and so you know here i am with my background in domestic violence but 
And now I have this husband who's this serial cheater, constantly seeking out women, constantly doing all this stuff because I could no longer fawn over him and feed that excessive need that he had. And so, but I did not, I didn't see it as abuse. It wasn't until much later on in life when I was able to put the two together and learn about narcissism and learn about the disordered personalities where I would have considered that I was in an abusive marriage. Yeah. And And to spread on the icing on the cake, the reason they get away with the cheating is they'll use guilt and shame. Like, well, you're so busy with your studies and you're not, you know, I need love. And so they even may say, sorry, like I just needed, you know, love. And she provided it for me over here. And, and then you just kind of go, oh yeah, I feel really bad. Like I haven't been paying attention to you. I have been focusing on my studies. Which yes, is not what you should think, but what you just do automatically. They make you feel so guilty. They do. They make you feel so guilty. They make you feel like everything's your fault. If if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have gone out and looked outside the marriage. If you didn't get all gain all this weight, if you didn't stop nagging me all the time, you weren't a joy to be around anymore. So of course I have, you drove me to do this. I didn't want to do this. Yeah. I wanted to be with you, but now you're fat and ugly and you don't have time for me. So that's it's what they BS do. That we buy they, in. Yeah. 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 They deflect and then you feel like a horrible person and then you try to work on yourself. Well, what can I do to fix this? Right. And how many of us have said, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to eat healthier. I'll try to do this. I'll try to do this. But the issue was never us in the beginning. And so, you know, this went on for a really long time and we were, we were married for almost 14 years and he eventually left for another married woman. And that was kind of how that relationship progressed. And and we had two children together, but you know, the, the covert narcissism is someone who on the outside and in the community, they have this great reputation. We we went to church, you know, he was a leader in the church. We he had a small group. I just I didn't go to church because I'm like, you're such a hypocrite. Why I'm not going. Yeah. And so then he met a woman at church. Uh-huh. You know, and 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 this is what they do. And this is why it is still so challenging as well, because people don't know what's going on behind closed doors. All they can see is, oh, well, he's a great person. Oh, he's so loved. He's a, a medical practitioner. Oh, every all his patients adore him. They love him. He's such a great person. <laughs> yeah. And yet he's not. And I think that they show the signs out in public, but I think we're all like, I don't know, conditioned or trained to be nice as kiddos. And then, so we're kind of conditioned to be zombies and like, just let everything pass. Like those little tiny red flags that they show out in public, it it just, it passes through and people just see all the big things that they do. You're right. Oh yeah. And then they're well, even if, obviously they're, they're they're perfect outside. Also, that could be the case. And then they're behind closed doors. It's well, and if you it is well, and if you look at uh, people who were raised in the church, yeah. it you know with with a religious background, 
So here I am. And here's another myth as well. I have, I came from a very healthy family. My parents are still married. My first husband, his parents are still married. Comes from a very, very healthy family as well. And yet here we are and here he is, you know, when he was, so his dad is a psychiatrist. And when he was younger, he was diagnosed with, oh, I'm, I'm spacing it. It's that, what is, what is like the childhood, that's no, the childhood version of narcissism almost, because a lot of adults develop the disordered personality later in life. I don't know. It is. I don't know if I've heard the term. Let's look it up. Um, defiant, oppositional defiant. Oh, so a oppositional lot of, a, defiant. So a lot of children that are oppositional defiant grow up to have a disordered personality as a as an adult. And when I say a disordered personality, it's you know narcissism, psychopath, yeah. um, histrionic. It's all of those. And how do they diagnose the child? Is the child literally defiant or super manipulative? I'm not a psychiatrist. I know. So I, I do I know. not now know. Now I'm going down I, a rabbit hole. I'm like, what about that? Yeah, I, I do not know. But I do know okay. that a lot of oppositional defiant morphs into a disordered personality as, as an adult. And you look at like the hierarchy of disordered personalities. I find mm. it very fascinating. I don't know all the, the research and the- Okay, I'm going to look that up and make an episode for everyone. They're like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now they're going to be like, oh, every kid is uh, oppositional defiant. Yeah. So anyway, so I, you know, it, yeah, we're labeling the, all of our selfish, like already narcissists, like little children are narcissists and then they grow out of it. But yes. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I if you think about it, we all have narcissistic traits and, yeah. and it's good because we, you know, we should have a high self-esteem. We should see all, all of this stuff, but you know, it's, it's the lack of empathy. It's the manipulative behavior. It is the, the constant excessive, you know, and so you, you do have to, fit to have a diagnosis you do have to fit you know within five of these excessive traits and so sometimes we all have traits of it but does that does not mean that we are narcissists yeah so yeah so with him being an overt narcissist it was he was amazing in public and behind closed doors he was someone else and that's the thing as well which is very similar to domestic violence it is about power and control how can they use power and control? They will manipulate, they will gaslight, they will do whatever it takes to get an emotional reaction from you because this is what feeds them, our reactions. Yeah, it our reactions give them the okay that they're still controlling us. Mm-hmm. When we don't react, then they're like, oh no, like they're not hooked around my finger. I've got to do something else dire to make sure that they're... Yes, exactly. Exactly. So when my first husband left, he left for another married woman. And I remember him saying, he's like, Stephanie, I'm setting you free. And that was like the last conversation Mm. we had. And, you know, I didn't see it at the time, but it definitely was a blessing because I lived in constant misery and trying to fix everything, thinking that everything was my fault. Everything was wrong. How can I better myself and fix this to to save our relationship? And I I would say that's the biggest sign that your relationship is unhealthy. If you are taking the full responsibility of carrying the relationship's peace and 
it working, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, I, I thought I had healed, you know, I, it had been a couple of years I was doing the, what I thought was the deep hard work mm -hmm. and I, in hindsight, but I did not <laughs> because until we learn the lessons, right. We will keep repeating the same patterns over and over again. Yeah. So when I felt like I was healed, I was ready to date again. And you know, when you're in a, a long-term marriage where someone has been cheating the whole time, it's like, am I beautiful? Am I, do guys think I'm, I'm hot? You know, here I have a husband who, who looked to other women. And so it was like, well, I wanted to kind of jump out there and start dating as well, because I also wanted the, the validation that I'm dateable. Yeah. Someone wants to be with me. Right. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. And so when I was ready to start dating again, I made the list. How many of us do that? We make the list. This, this is everything I want. This is everything I don't want. I don't want anyone in the medical. I was like, oh, I'll go for a businessman this time. Businessman, you know, tall, dark. Little do we know up. they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're not just exclusively in one, in one profession. And a divorced dad with only boys, because I only have boys as well. I wanted a, a good fatherly figure for my kids, you know, someone who's traveled, someone who's has a cultural worldview. And so I put that out in the universe. And a week later, I met a man who checked everything off the list. So how can you not believe when they say, you're my soulmate, I've been praying for you. I manifested you. Well, mm. I manifested you. <laughs> That's a really good point. Sometimes manifestations, like you said, are for us to learn, like really solidify the lesson. It's not always like manifestation is all peaches and roses. Like we, we manifest yeah. our life's next test. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, our, oh, we are here to learn the lessons and to grow. Mm -hmm. And so you will continue to repeat the same lessons until they are learned. Yeah. And some of us, we take a lot longer because we just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've learned about myself. Yeah. And so, you know, if you look at the, the cycle of narcissistic abuse, it is, it's very similar to the cycle of domestic violence, but is in the beginning, there's that idealization phase, and then there is the devaluation, and then there's the discard. So in the beginning, when I thought I had manifested this man, I did manifest him. And the universe also gave me all the unhealed, unlearned lessons from my first marriage. Thank you, universe. I learned my lesson much quicker this time around. Yeah. And so, you know, in the idealization phase, that's where they put you up on that pedestal. That's where they are telling you everything you want to hear. They are mirroring you. Everything about me, he loved. Mm -hmm. He loved that I was an attorney. He loved that I was a strong, independent woman. He loved all my girlfriends that were strong, independent women. He loved the way I parented, he loved my children. He loved everything. And here, you know, and, and, and when you're in this idealization period, 
it's really challenging to see the red flags. It really is because they're very tiny. They're minutiae and they can be hidden for a while, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I didn't know he was an alcoholic. Mm. We would, we would drink wine and stuff, but I later learned he drink almost a fifth of vodka every day, but he hit it. So how, how are you supposed to know? Yeah. You know, and in the beginning, he talked wonderfully about women. It was during the devaluation stage that it was like, oh, women are, they just use the, the courts to take advantage of men. All these women in my life have betrayed me and abused me, all this stuff. I hate attorneys. Attorney, being an attorney is the worst profession in the world. How could you even look at mm. yourself in the mirror being an attorney? Your girlfriends are the worst people in the world. They don't even want to have children. And, you know, wow. like. It's like all of a sudden it switched. Like the head went yeah. from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. Yes. And that is what we all say. If we have been in a narcissistic, abusive relationship, it is they have two personalities. And then you don't know which personality is going to manifest itself that day. Mm-hmm. And so when when he got me, you know, he got me, me hooked, the trauma bond was there. And for, you know, any listeners who don't know what a trauma bond is, it is a intense bond that is formed from the intermittent reinforcement of the good, the bad, the good, the bad, the good, the bad. And it's sets you up for this whole stage of this cognitive dissonance. You have, it was just utter confusion. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, who's going to show up? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? And I always liken it to a drug addiction. You know, the first time a user uses a drug, they get this super high dopamine rush. And so they use again. But every time they use again, they never make it up to that first high. They keep using and keep using and keep using. And it keeps them addicted because they're constantly chasing that high dopamine rush. Similarly, in a trauma bond, we know they know how to love us. We know they know how to be kind to us. We know they know how to treat us well because they did that in the very beginning. Yeah. And so when it's bad, we wait for that. We're like, well, it's bad right now, but it's going to be really good again because he knows how to love me. Right. They showed you, but they never fully ever show you again, but you're always so hooked like on this hope you almost do do it to yourself like they future fake you 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 like pass yes. yourself into the future absolutely mm-hmm. and that's what relate. keeps us uh, uh, addicted and stuck in this yeah. uh trauma bond and in yeah. this uh cycle until we either reach down and realize that we are worthy of so much more and so much better and we leave or the mask comes off we stop reacting and they discard us. Right. And, and so that's what eventually happened. with Husband number two, the mask came off. I saw him for who he was. I stopped reacting because like we were talking about before, they want a response. Well, they don't want a response. They want an emotional reaction. They will torment. They will provoke. They will do whatever because it's all about power and control. And how better else to control someone than to control their emotional reactions? Yeah. Yeah, because our emotions are a sign of what we're thinking, like what's happening in our body. So if there's no emotion, then the person's interpreting like, this is not getting to her. Like, this does not bother them. 
Yes. Therefore, I have no control, right? That is so true because our, you know, it all comes down to our mindset and what's going on in our mind, like you said. And when we are having emotional responses and emotional reactions, we are living and thinking from a very emotionally driven place. Yeah. I mean, it's just natural. Like even just going through life, if, if you see something funny or you hear something funny, someone's talking, you don't just like sit there and not express. You're like, ha ha ha, that's funny. Like it's just a natural human thing to do. And they've, yeah. they've learned to master how to control other people's yeah emotions yes and yes and that's what creepy. makes it so so creepy so scary so like that's why someone who is that's why it can happen to anyone yeah yeah I always tell people I'm like I'm a lawyer my background is domestic violence I'm not this yeah. I, I didn't come You're from like, a broken I family anti right victim yeah right, right. I should yeah but yeah. you know it's like if that happens to me, believe me, it can happen to anyone. And it's not like we are subconscious, like we are consciously seeking this out. Maybe on the subconscious level, we're calling it in because, you know, the the repeated lessons and patterns and all of this stuff until it is broken. Yeah. We yeah. keep repeating these cycles, but it, it can happen to anyone. No one is immune. Yeah, Absolutely. So now we've awakened. Now you're like, okay, divorce needs to happen. Let's say the the narcissist doesn't discard you. I feel like both instances you were lucky, although it's extremely painful. And I'm sorry you experienced that because being discarded by one also is the most devastating emotionally. But let's say they, they're holding on, right? They're holding on to the hope that they can actually control you. But you're like, I need to divorce. I need to leave. What are some steps that you can prepare yourself to legally win that battle? So, you know, my, when my first husband left, he proceeded to use the courts for six years for post-traumatic separation abuse is what, is what they call it. And he used finances in the courts to control me because if they can't control you with the house, they will control you with the children and through the legal system. And so one of the things that you really, really need to do is get an attorney who understands domestic violence. I cannot say that like loud enough. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many people hire the wrong attorneys or they say, well, I don't have any money, so I'm just going to do the divorce myself. Do not do that. I'm an attorney and I had my own attorney. Mm -hmm. And it was still very challenging yeah. and, and be prepared. It's not a sprint. It will be a marathon. Divorcing a narcissist is a marathon because again, it is power and control. They want the public to see them and view them in a certain light and they will do whatever they can to destroy you. My first husband, Josh, he would file frivolous motions all the time. He would agree to something in writing through text messages, and then he would do the complete opposite and file a motion. Hmm. And it's interesting he uses text messages because can't you use text messages as evidence against his motion? Well, you, (laughs) so it is, it is complex and it is complicated. 
Uh, yes and no. He would say that wasn't an agreement. That was me just weighing all the possibilities. I mean, these people are smart. So yeah. many of my friends would say, oh, they're crazy. Oh, they're a psychopath or all, all this stuff. I'm like, no, they are cool, calm, and calculated. They know exactly what they are doing. Hmm. They aren't psycho or crazy. They have yeah. a disordered personality. Yeah. But they know exactly what they are doing. So no, they can manipulate everything. Like we would, we would go to mediation and then he would recant everything and throw us in court. And, you know, it's like, well, you signed the mediation. Well, I'm not following that. We're going to court now, you know? And it's like just anything to drain me of, of all my finances. I mean, I've spent so much money dealing with them. So know that it is a marathon. Take care of yourself. You are not going to be productive for yourself or your children if you are not taking care of yourself and if you think this is going to be a sprint. It's yeah. a marathon. You need to take care of yourself just like marathon runners take care of themselves. Find a good attorney who understands domestic violence, who understands narcissism. And then document. You must document everything. I, and there's lots of good apps to do that. So I screenshot all our text messages, even phone calls. I documented that the length you of can a phone like call. Record what a, was can you said, record a phone call? You cannot legally record a phone call unless okay. the other person knows that it is being called. It is actually right. a federal, it is a federal <laughs> crime and you do not okay. want to put yourself in a position where a narcissist will use everything yeah. against you. Got it. So don't record unless <laughs> unless like you throw it in there when that, the phone call was and what yes, it was about time, yep and, and screenshot day. you know on your phone record okay. everything that it was about i okay. actually have a banker's box full of everything yeah and even when my children would go with their dad and they would come back i would i would write like a little piece of paper like okay this is how they left this is their reactions. This is how they came back. These are my observations. This is what happened at their dad's house. I documented everything because you don't know yeah. what they will use against you. Right. And so, yeah, so there are apps that you can actually screenshot your text messages and they will put it in PDF form and then, you know, you can print it and just save it in your, in your file. Um, okay. But yeah, really document everything. And then you know the app do... off the top of your head, like what would they search in the um, app store? Yeah, let me, let me just or like photo. it's called message messages export. So I'm just okay. gonna messages export. Yep. Okay. And so that will convert screenshots of text messages and it will stitch them all together so that you can actually oh, and so read it. Like and it will put a it on page, like multiple mm -hmm. page PDF. Yep. Yep. And then I'll put it in a PDF. So I just have, I mean, I have stacks of it, everything. And then I also would suggest if you are, if you're in court, hire a custody evaluator. So many people are like, oh, well, I don't want like another person digging into my business. Well, you know what? If you don't have anything to be afraid of, hire one because they will they will do the research and the majority of the time 
they cannot be tricked or manipulated by the narcissist. And 99.9% .9 of the time, the family law judge will defer to whatever the child custody evaluator says. Hmm. Do not be afraid. Spend the money. It's usually, you know, four to $6,000. It is worth every cent. Yeah. If you have children, get them in counseling right away. Because again, this is a good hmm. reflection on you. And, and child custody evaluators are always like family therapists as well. Okay. So in order to be one, they have to have a background in family therapy. Got it. And in fact, when I did it and my little boys, they went to play therapy and my, my older son, he was in therapy for a couple of years. I became really close with the therapist and he was, he's also a child custody evaluator. So he gave me lots of tips and lots of insights. He could not be our custody evaluator because he was a right. therapist, Right. but he, he gave me the tips of, of what you should do. Mm. So get them in therapy right away. That's like and your you, expert advocate in your back pocket, really. Yes, yes. And this person can be if you do it right. And, and and you want that because, again, they are going to, the narcissist will manipulate everyone around you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do everything correct. Yeah. You need to be present. You have to show up. You have to show the courts and the therapists that you are working on yourself as well, especially mm -hmm. if you want that full custody. Yeah. So you going for to therapy parent? also? Yeah. Me? I, no, like, I, it was, like, would oh, you suggest, yes, this, you know, yes. The, the survivor to also go to therapy to show mm -hmm. I am working on myself as well? Yes. And if it was a very um, chaotic relationship if there was a lot of abuse a lot of even physical abuse I would even say sign up for a parenting class see judges want to see that you are doing everything it takes to improve yourself mm -hmm. sign up for a parenting class whether mm -hmm. you need it or not yeah it, it looks, looks good. good on you <laughs> because 100 yeah. percent of the time the narcissist is not going to join you in the parenting class they are not going to join you in therapy I know this because my exes did not do this, Yeah, but it made me look so good. And it made them look so poorly because they refused to go. Well, why didn't you go to therapy with them? The therapist kept calling you. Why didn't you show up? Well, why didn't you do the parenting class? You know, yeah. so you want to do everything that creates, whether you believe it or not, you want to create this, that you are doing everything possible because you do not want your children to go with the narcissist. You need to make sure that you are doing everything to get full custody of the children. Mm -hmm. And I would say, go for full custody. Do not split custody because uh, having a narcissist control your kids, they will try to alienate them. They will do everything to destroy your relationship with them. And this is something else that I did. And it's kind of controversial because not everyone agrees with me. I told my kids everything. Now I told them in a way that they could understand, but so I have a, a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. So they, they know. So they were not able to be fully manipulated by my ex-husband Yeah, because I would constantly say, this is your dad's behavior. This is stuff that he's doing. And, and I would reinforce it with them. When you can be mad, I don't care. Be as mad as you want. 
You can't hurt people when you are mad. You cannot destroy things when you're mad. But you can sit there and pout on the couch all day long. I don't care because right. your behavior does not affect my behavior. Mm-hmm. And so my kids just always grew up. No. And so, you know, my, my first ex-husband who was trying to, the past couple months, this summer, he was trying to alienate them from me because he had them for the whole summer. And like, it, it was just a bizarre, but he actually, he ended up, he committed suicide two months ago, which yeah. shows how, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a personality disorder, but it, it can go yeah. deeper. Yeah. And so, you know, after he committed suicide and I had to talk to my boys three hours later, my nine-year-old says, Hey mom, we, we can go travel the world now. This, wow, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's a profound statement because it's his way of saying we are free. And it's because I have always, I never made excuses for their dad's behavior. Right. And I mean, I did in the beginning, but yeah. And then it's it. like, they're old enough and enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think and I'm, a, and I'm always bluntly honest with my children too. Sometimes I'm like, I should probably pull back what I'm saying. Are you old enough for this? But at the same time, when you, when you are having honest conversations, then they see the behavior, then they witness then the bad behavior and my trying to be reasonable with them, which never works, but I try and I do my best effort on my end. And then they react unreasonably and they see this and they see like, it was so funny. My 10 year old just recently said, I knew there was something up with her. (laughs) You know, it's like, they know, (laughs) they feel it. But yes. until until they see that evidence and you shouldn't hide it, like they they should see it and know that way they can make their own decisions because that sets them up for success as Absolutely. adults as well. Absolutely. And also it's when when we see the the negative behavior. So, you know, my my second husband, he was very much toxic masculinity. And I just I find toxic masculinity to be very abusive. And so he would, he would say things every now and then to my kids, like, you know, they're having a hard time and and maybe struggling with something or crying and like, Oh, you need to go have some milk from your mom, you know, like stuff like that. And I would take my kids aside and I would say, look, I know he said that. And it was very wrong of him to say that. So, you know, I would correct a lot of that behavior as soon as I saw it I would take my kids aside yeah and have these conversations with them that that is not okay yeah because that that has invalidated your feelings and of course we all experience sadness and it's okay for you to feel sad too yeah it doesn't oh, yeah. You, you don't have to suppress your feelings just because you're a boy yeah and yeah. so you know I, I had to do a lot of that and thank god that we are out of of that toxic environment. But yeah, so, you know, going back to preparing for court and, and custody, you want to get the custody evaluation. If you want to, yeah. to sign up for a parenting class, if you can, you want to do the therapy. If you are struggling with unhealthy coping mechanisms, like maybe drinking too much, you might want to get into AA or start going to 
AA classes because everything, remember the narcissist will use everything against you. Mm -hmm. They know all your deepest secrets. They know all your insecurities. They will use everything. Oh, well, she drinks. Well, she's not a good parent. Oh, I saw her smoke some weed. I'm from Oregon, so it's legal. But, you know, it doesn't. They (laughs) still use it. It's like you almost have to be above reproach. And so if, yes, it's legal. Yes, drinking's legal. But if you are doing anything in excessive, an excessive amount, you might just want to cut back on these things because you need to give the appearance that you are above reproach. And this is truly with dealing with a narcissist in court because they will use everything. They will go up on the stand and they will lie. They will make up things. How do you, you deal have... with that, with the, with the lies? Because that's the biggest so, thing, right? Yep. So I will tell you how to deal with that. You do not react. You do not respond. They are in court trying to get you to have an emotional response, an emotional outburst, because then they can say, see, she's the crazy one. She can't even get through a hearing without having a big, angry, emotional outburst, because they will turn everything on you. You are the abuser. You are the narcissist. You are the one that's having all these emotional outbursts. You're the crazy one. You should not have the children. I have seen this happen so many times because the, again, the narcissist, the disordered personality, person in the relationship, they know how to be cool, calm, and collected. They can lie and pass a polygraph. Yeah. That is how good they are. And they will sit there in court wearing their suit looking professional, having the community behind them because they are a pillar in the community. Yeah. And you are the crazy one because you are waving, say, that didn't happen, judge. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And you see, they've made you look like the crazy one. They are so good at this. And I will tell you because I've had to sit there. Mm -hmm. I've had to sit there and have no emotional responses. And it is the hardest thing you can you can ever do when someone is telling blatant, outright lies. My first husband told the judge I was a crackhead and an alcoholic, and I abused my kids. <laughs> You're like far from the truth, far from the truth, and and you but you can't know. react. You have yeah, to just sit there. Yeah, you can't react because the judge is witnessing everything. So if you do react, then the judge is like, "Ooh, maybe there's some truth there." Even though yes. there's no truth there's, and that's why you're reacting, exactly. but it's like, it's human nature to be like, mm. he's reacting. It's like, yeah, that's so hard. It is very hard, but you have to, like, it find is a, how... like, do you mentally like just have to go to your happy place and sit there? Like, yeah, I, I do. And, and, but so it, it's very hard because sometimes it, it can all just come as a shock. Like when he was saying all of like, basically calling me a crackhead and I abused the kids and he was afraid. He literally told the judge, he was afraid that I was going to kill my children. (laughs) And he knew that that's what the courts. Yeah. And here I am, I am like, and this is a court that I was not familiar with. 
I didn't practice in this area. I didn't go to law school in this area. So it's not, I don't know any of these people. Mm. Um, but to sit there and just take it, oh, it is it's so hard. I can't even remember what was going on in my head. I was probably like fuming. Yeah. But But you can't show it. You can't react. And so that's going to be the hardest thing you can do, but you really cannot react. You just have to sit there and, and take it, go somewhere else mentally, you know, whatever, wherever you have to go to get through it. But yeah, those are, those are some of the, the big tips and especially go for full custody. Do not share custody because if you look at custody is always broken down into two parts, there is legal custody and there's physical custody. One, you want legal custody because legal custody is who makes the decisions about medical, school, religion, all of that. Okay. You want to make sure that your abusive partner is not in control of those important physical custody. Courts like to split physical custody unless you can give them a good reason why. So for me, I got very, very, very lucky because my ex-husband wanted to move over 60 miles away. So written within every family law, I mean, every state has this, it's you have to have the court's permission or the other parent's permission to move more than 60 miles away from the other parent. It's called the domicile rule. Mm -hmm. So my ex, we lived in a small town. My, both of our families are very known in our town. My mom's a minister, his dad's a psychiatrist. You know, it's like, everyone knows us. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so when he had an affair and left with another married woman, he did not want to be in this town because he was also a a doctor in the town as well. And so everyone knows our families. And so he wanted to move away to the next town, which was 75 miles. Well, he had to have court permission and the court wouldn't give him permission. And I said, I will gladly give you permission to move in exchange for full custody. So, you know, there can be some horse trading. Yeah. And you want to find the things. And so if if there is something that you know that they really want and you can leverage what you really want, he didn't he did not realize what he was signing away. Right. Because then he spent the next six years trying to get that custody back. But he couldn't because it's very you have to show a change of circumstance. That's why he kept bringing up every time we went to cow work that I was abusive, that I'm an alcoholic, that I'm all this stuff, because he was trying to establish that there's a change. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say be on your best behavior. If there's anything that you need to clean up, take care of it, get into the support for programs, do whatever so that it shows that you are taking care of these things, because guaranteed the narcissist will not do those things. So yeah. you do them and you fight for full custody of your children. Mm. Wow. So then he didn't get full custody. You had them for a while. I'm just curious because your boys were spent the summer with him. Where in that journey did you guys come to an agreement that they spent time with him? Or was that through the court system? So, yeah. So I, I had actually moved away. And so Again, because I could show that he wasn't involved in their lives. He was constantly dropping the boys off early or not taking them on weekends or doing all this stuff. He wasn't involved in their sports. He wasn't involved in their school. 
I wrote up a brief saying, well, I'm going to move. And he fought it and fought it and fought it. But ultimately, he couldn't win on this because I had teachers who were willing to testify against him. I mean, his parents mm-hmm. were willing to testify him against him. And this was this was something else, too. Just a little mm-hmm. side note. He, he comes from a very good family. And when he left me, he told his parents that they had to stop having a relationship with me as well. Mm-hmm. Or he would disown them. And his mm-hmm. parents said, we love Stephanie. She is our daughter. We love you too. We want to have a relationship with you. And because his parents wouldn't stop seeing me, he disowned his parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. They, they don't care. They don't care who they hurt, who yeah. they step on. Yeah. It is just very different from a healthy relationship. <laughs> yeah. Where you can act. People are like, well, I can be friends with my ex. Why can't you be friends with yours? Well, yeah, I'm friends with all my ex-boyfriends, but I'm not friends with my two narcissistic husbands because you cannot. You must go no contact to protect yourself. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, I can't remember. You're going to have to repeat the (laughs) first question. My question was, okay, so they they spent the summer with your ex, but Mm, you fought mm -hmm. to have sole custody. So I was just curious. Yes, yes. So, so. Even though you have full custody, the court is not going to deny parenting time unless you can show that they are abusive towards the kids. Even if they are abusive towards you, mm-hmm. the court would still say, well, are they abusive towards the kids? Have you have they hit the kids? Have they done all this? Even though you could still say, well, they emotionally, he's uh, toxic masculinity. He's all this stuff. The courts don't freaking care because the courts don't know anything about that. The courts don't know anything about narcissism. You go up there and you start talking like, oh, my ex is a narcissist. They're going to think you're crazy. Yeah. They're like, oh, you so, mean an asshole? I, that doesn't really. Yeah. Yeah. So ass- assholes still love their kids. <laughs> assholes still get parenting time. Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing. You, you can have full custody of them. They can live with you full time, but the, um, the other parent will get parenting time unless you can show that they cannot have parenting time. And even if you can show that that they shouldn't have parenting time, it would probably be supervised parenting time. So there's no way around it. They Got they it. get to see their children if they want. So this okay. again is where you will have to look at what you want that to look like. Mm-hmm. So for for us, it looked like Every other weekend, he would have the boys for three nights. So he got six overnights a month. And he would come and pick them up Friday from school. And then he would drop them off at school on Monday morning. And he lived an hour away. So he would still, you know, have to drive them all the way to their school. He would, he was the one who would have to do all the back and forth because he's the one who moved. Yeah. Yeah. And don't I do that for this... them. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm like, no, you, you moved. You gave up custody. You're the one in the courts agreed with me that he, he moved away. Yeah. So he had to drive. So, you know, unfortunately for my kids, it was a little bit of a drive, but so when I won the case to move out of state, he still got parenting time. So then what did his parenting time look like? It looked like every other Thanksgiving, every half of Christmas, every other spring break. And then he got summers. Mm-hmm. And so that was what we worked out because again, the court won't, 
won't let them not have parenting time unless you can show that they Got are it. an endangerment. Okay. But because I had full custody and because I had, you know, legal custody, which encompasses full custody, I got to make all of the decisions. So he just right. had the parenting time. So I got to pick their doctors. I got to to pick yeah. what kind of schools they got to. I had to say, like, you know, I'm going to raise them this way. And what you have, though, is when you are parenting with a narcissist, with an abuser, you don't actually have co-parenting because you can't co-parent you cannot work with this parent yeah it's very it is so challenging so what they actually call it parallel parenting so when so you can't have like oh well okay we always have them go to bed at nine o'clock so make sure at your house they're going to bed at nine o'clock right that would be co-parenting let's have yeah. the same Let's have the same rules at our house. Okay. At my house, you get an hour of screen time. At dad's house, you get an hour of screen time. You can't have, you have to throw that all out the window. Mm. And you just have to trust God that they're going to be safe. And, you know, thankfully it's such a short period of time that they have with the other parent and document, call your kids. My kids would call me and text me all the time. I actually gave them a phone and I put life 360 on it. So I knew exactly where they were because their dad would never tell me hmm. where they were. So I don't know if you know what life 360 is. It is, is it like a tracker. Uh, it's a, it's a parenting app okay. that will tell you, you know, what kind of language and behavior they're having on social media platforms. Oh, it will say, cool. it will pop things up to your phone and be like, Hey, you know, Jackson's in this conversation with this girl and this is what they're talking about. You might want to, you know, and you can set, you can set it on, on whatever yeah. settings you want. And it it. say, do you want more of these conversations or is this a safe person that you trust? But, and then it will show when it has a little car oh. and it will show when they get into a vehicle, it will show how fast the vehicle's going. If there is like frequent, like like wow. real fast stops it will show where they are going and it tracks everything and so i would recommend even if you don't want your children to have a cell phone just get a cheap one i that's what i did one of those cheap 50 dollars walmart phones mm -hmm. and then i put life 360 on it because their dad would not tell me mm -hmm. where he was taking them and what they were doing mm -hmm. and several times he would take them out of state oh. And I did not know that which they were is going. illegal, isn't that? It it's <laughs> illegal without area. asking me, right? Because yeah. I'm the custodial parent, right? And so he has to have permission from me. Yeah. And so the kids would be like, "Oh, Dad's taking us to the Great Wolf Lodge." Well, that's in Washington. We live in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Your dad didn't ask me if you could go there. Yeah. Because it's the taking out of state. And so that's actually what prompted me to put the app on their phone because I also yeah. found out that they were renting their house out and then spending the summer in an RV. And my kids were like, I'm tired of living in this RV for the summer. Yeah. Well, they're renting their house out for like $900 a night on Airbnb. The Airbnb thingies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, he told the judge, they only go camping. They don't rent their house out. 
So then you and have so then, more proof. So then I have more yeah. proof. I'm like, okay, well, every time they're with you, they're at this RV park because I can track them. And so I highly recommend yeah. putting it on their phone and, and Ooh, have them gem. track. Thank you for that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that, and then you can, uh, then again, you can screenshot everything and send it to that exporting messages and mm -hmm. just put it in your filing cabinet because you don't know. You will even need it my, one day. <laughs> you don't know. And like, here yeah. I am, my, my first husband, he, he died two months ago. I'm terrified to get rid of this box. I want to go hide it at my parents' house somewhere because I don't know. Yeah, because you know, they say hold on it, to things for five years, but I don't could know. it link? Could it link to some other relative of his? Or no, that would not work. No, know. no. I it's just, just it's just your like, attorney brain. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm I've been trained yeah. to keep these. Things. You just <laughs> you never just know. No, you don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm still holding on to it because and I'm um, like, this is why it's all tidy and nice in a banker's box, and it's it's yeah. all there. And yeah. I will probably hold on to it for five years because that's what they say. Yeah, well, a banker's years, box so. is easy to store in a garage or yes, a closet, it, right? Yeah. It, to hide it in your parents' shop, your dad's shop somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, so those those are my my biggest tips. Mm, those are really, um, really good. Thank you. Because it is, it is very, very, very challenging being with a narcissist. My second husband, he actually, I left him and moved 3000 miles away and he moved and I went no contact. And so I, it took a very long time to find him and serve him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's, you, you just, you don't know. And, you know, going back to, to what you were saying with our emotional mind, like I, I really truly believe when it when it all comes down to it, when when you start doing the healing and even with your cases and stuff, really prepare your mind to win. Yeah. I can't say this mm -hmm. enough because so many of us, we get stuck in the doom and gloom. Well, they're gonna do this, they're gonna do this, they're gonna come out, they're gonna be a monster, they're gonna attack me, they're gonna do all this. And then we just create that. So work on your mind, yeah. know that you can win. Think that you are going to beat them, that you are going to win, that you will have full custody of the children, that the lies will, will become truth, that will, will come to, to light. This is something that I told my kids all the time too. I'm like, you know, lies always, the truth always comes out. Yeah. I and even- and even when my husband's, my first husband started trying to alienate the boys from me, I would call them on the phone. They're like, mom, you said that, that the truth always comes out. When is the truth going to come out? I'm like, the truth will come out. We just have to be patient. You be the best version of you. The truth will come out. And unfortunately for us, when the truth came out, their dad killed himself. And so, but I, I truly believe that. And I truly believe a lot of it has to do with our mindset. So don't look at it as you are already defeated before you've even stepped into court. Yeah, you can't have to get your mindset right. Write it out every day. If you have to, I will have full custody of my children. I will 
when in court, the truth will come out. The judge will see the truth and will not be manipulated by this person. Write that a hundred times a day until you believe it. You know what I did? Cause That's I actually my had homework. to do small claims and court is super intimidating to me. Cause I'm not, I'm not an attorney. I'm not there every day. And it was like super scary. I actually prepared myself so much. I was like listening to a book that just kept pumping my mind up about winning. I don't even remember what the book was. I feel like it was like something about like gearing your mind to win. And then I also mm. went to the, the small claims before my date and I just sat and I observed the judge. I'm like, who is this person who's going to dic- you know, decide? So if you can, maybe, you know, I think the, that particular court is yep. also public. You can go there, sit yep. and just observe. Yep. They are yeah. always open. Observe, observe the judge. Yeah. Do, do your research. Yeah. And, yeah. but Get really. comfortable in the space. So it's not the first day you're there. Yes, you're exactly. Your, your narcissist. Exactly. I mean, it's hard. It was hard for me too, because yeah. it's, uh, you're emotionally involved with it. This is why I hired my own attorneys. But, but really get that mindset that you're going to win. You're going to get full custody. The truth will come out. The judge will not be manipulated. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, whether you have to read the, the serenity, like calmness of mind is one of the beautiful jewels of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Patience, self-control. You sit there and you have the self-control and the patience and you let them explode let everything backfire on them. You can only control your responses and you. That's it. Powerful. That's perfect. I think that's a great conclusion right there, Stephanie. This is such an amazing conversation and so much ammunition in the back pockets of our empaths listening. Thank you so much for this. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on your show yeah. today. Where can we people find you or do you have any uh, services or offerings you want to share? So I am um, working on a website right now uh, with my ex dying and stuff. It really has, it really has slowed me down. I've had to just take a, a back seat for a while just to focus on my children's healing and and stuff right now. So everything, my courses and everything I was created, I just have to, I had to put all that on. So right now I, you can find me on LinkedIn and I could give you that. Um, and I'm on Facebook right now. And that's, that's about where I'm at right now at, <laughs> at this time. I, yeah. I know as, as my children continue to heal and we move forward, I will be putting myself more out there again, um, but I, I will give you the links, Raven. Yeah, perfect. We'll put that in the show notes. And yes, perfect. And we have this podcast here for you to re-listen back and over and over as many times as you need to prepare because I think having it be memorized in our head is really important. That preparation, it's like Rocky, you know, it's like he's constantly, you know, exercising and punching every day. I feel like mentally we've got to do that to prepare for court. Yes. Yes, and you can't be overprepared. Yeah, I think that's true. I remember to, it was such a small claims, but she was she was a weirdo, so she must have been somewhat of a narcissist. And I I brought a, a stack of a hundred pages. Like, oh wow! I was like, well, 
this is related this is related here's this like everything this is all my work this is everything i prepared for her because it was for a design job and yeah she she brought like i don't know maybe 10 and she was like so afraid of my 100 page stack (laughs) (laughs) you can never be too prepared it was very good Ah, all right well that is it take care everyone until next time Try out Impasse Guide to Rising exclusive podcast. 30 days. Try the podcast free trial. Click the link in the show notes and get your free trial today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the end of this podcast episode and being an Empath member here in the community. Please share this episode with a friend. Follow my blog at ravenscott.show and leave a comment in a blog post. I love hearing from you. Be sure to listen to the Empath and Narcissist Audible book, or you can grab your paperback on Amazon. It is a profound exploration of my journey and healing, providing you with tools for healing as well. And you can buy my new book now, the follow-up Human Design Workbook, containing all the tools for healing and an in-depth understanding of human design, Empath's Guide to Rising Strong, in paperback on Amazon.